This is the Blackout Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today I have Jandera Simmons, a poet. Thanks for coming <laughs> on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm really grateful to be here. Yeah, I mean... Um, first off, how did you get into writing poems? Mm, I probably wrote my first poem when I was like seven years old. Oh, wow. Um, probably actually more an incantation because I'm, <laughs> I'm into weird things like that. But I didn't get serious about my poetry until a couple years ago when I started going through a hard time. And then it's like poems just kept flowing out of me. Mm. Um, I really used it as a way to get out like some of my inner anxieties and use my voice as well as, you know, um, just a therapeutic thing. Uh, yeah. Okay. And um, <clears throat> so how long ago was the this when you're dealing with this bad time? Uh, I'd say about three and a half years ago, almost four years ago. What happened? Um, I've suffered insomnia since I was like 14 years old, so it's very hard for me to sleep. Oh. Um, and then uh, I, my friend Joey passed away. He lost his life to gun violence around that time. So it was very difficult for me because I didn't even expect it to hit me as hard as it did. Hmm. Um, he and I were childhood friends. We'd all, a group of us would all hang out together from like grade seven to grade eight to grade nine. And, uh, I ended up seeing him like a couple months before he passed away. We were just in a bar, you know, you run into like some of your childhood friends and to hear that like he wanted to join the army and he wanted to, you know, get his life together and so on was great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I ended up logging on Facebook one day after hearing that somebody got shot and uh, I saw, you know, it was him. And that was a really hard time for me. So I was already dealing with my insomnia and then, you know, just finding out that he was gone. Mm. He's even younger than me. And, you know, knowing that he won't get to see his family, they won't get to spend time with him. He won't get to, you know, have children or do all the things that he wanted to do. And, mm -hmm. It just, it was a hard time for me. I can't even imagine that. Uh, and so writing the poem was helping you cope with that? So I actually didn't start writing poems right then and there. I okay. kind of, uh, <clears throat> there was a couple more things going on. Like my sister, who I've always had a tumultuous relationship, recently moved home after that. And uh, I still wasn't sleeping. Mm. And um, so it was just kind of like one thing after another. Uh, I started drinking more heavily, um, which I, w I wouldn't say I was a complete, you know, drunk or an alcoholic. But just for me, it was a lot. Mm. And um, yeah, so it was just it became some way to cope. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. So it's like. Things were just pretty much piling up on each other. One thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. And um, before poetry, w were you coping in any other way? Apart from the drinking, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, I've always been like 
a singer-songwriter, so I love music. Mm -hmm. I love singing and things like that. I've been writing songs probably since I was four years old, mm -hmm. <laughs> though I don't know. They were great hits. Like my, <laughs> my parents and stuff, my parents would go out, and I'd be at the babysitters or at my grandmother's, and I'd make up little songs like, Mommy, Daddy, I want my Mommy, Daddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if that's the work I'll win a Grammy for, but, you know, it, it's something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and then... uh like I said, when I was 14, I first started going through insomnia. I was writing a lot then, too. Mm. So, like, I kind of pick it up and put it back down and so on. But usually the times when I'm stressed out the most and I'm going through things is is when I find power in the pen. Mm. Mm. That's so powerful. And uh, do you remember the first thing you wrote? Um, a I mean, I guess in this period, I mean. Um, oh, in this period. Yeah. Um, I probably wrote a poem about my hair. What? Um, what about your hair? Just like trials and tribulations, like being an African Nova Scotian woman and societal uh, pressures yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> dealing with it and, you know, the choices that it doesn't seem like a big thing, yeah. but it's part of your identity. Gotcha. It's part of your self-health and so on. And, you know, people make big deal over your hair, mm. sometimes more so than you make yourself, you know, mm. especially certain other cultures and so on sometimes they want to touch it they want to know how do you get it this style what's going on here and you're like well you know hair gross wash it comb it you know so that's yeah. kind of funny so i think you actually can recall the first thing you wrote um, that was the first thing I wrote, um, during this difficult time. Yeah, and I'm saying the actual first thing you wrote, not from this time. Um, uh, when I was seven, I wrote a poem. It was, like I said, more of an incantation, but it was like the dark, the darkness chills grows wonder. One so great shall be powerful. Nobody understands the sunset. Don't know where I was going with that or <laughs> <laughs> why that came to me, wow. but that, yeah, I can still remember it. At seven. At seven. Holy smokes. Wow. And then, um, so you wrote a thing with your hair, and then you said a lot of things were coming out of you. Um, so <clears throat> were you just writing it down? Were you sharing it with anyone? Was it online? Um, so during that time, um, I started seeing someone, and, you know, we were good at first, I thought. And then um, about six months onward, I realized that, he was in another relationship with a, another woman uh, who he had been with for nine years, and they were engaged. Oh, wow. First and foremost, I respect relationships, and I definitely respect the sanctity of marriage, but mm. um, that was something I was unaware of. Yeah. Um, so through that process, I was very angry, very sad, very hurt, mm. and like even now I started to like go back in that place when I talk about it. Mm. And... Um, so that brought a lot of creative juices out of me. Mm. Like I just started writing, 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 like poems about everything. Um, yeah. Wow. And then <clears throat> how long from writing these poems to how long did it take you to decide to share it or like put it out there? Um, it took about maybe a month. And I just, like I said, I kept writing. And uh, my best friend, I was over at her house and we were talking and just discussing things. And mm -hmm. she was going through a bit of a hard time too. We were both going through breakups at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I just started sharing with her some of my poetry. 
you know, and she's like, wow, this is really good. And I was like, yeah, eventually, you know, I want to do a book. But, you know, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to be, you know, even doing that. I was just doing it for me. Mm. And eventually I just started showing more family and friends. And I I did post a few things online at my Facebook at the time. And, mm. you know, the results have been really powerful. Mm -hmm. Like people really seem to enjoy my writing. And I'm really happy about that. How do you decide what you show on Instagram? <laughs> okay, so my Instagram is kind of a bit of a melting pot. So depending on the day, you might get a different version of me. Yeah. Um, I usually like to share things about my nephews and about working with kids. So if I, if I didn't mention that by day, I work with children. I really enjoy it mm. most of the time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's become something that's really helped me. It's like, if I find a quote that I like or a situation that I'm going through, I just think something something's funny. I just share it with mm. my friends, my family, and my audience. And, you know. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> actually, let's talk about the work with kids. How, what, what do you do and how long have you been doing that? So um, when I got out of high school or even before I got out of high school, because I started via co-op program, mm. uh, I started working at a daycare. And so I did that for a couple years. And then I left the daycare and I started working for a cleaning service. And I ended up injuring my rib and I couldn't work for a while. Oh, no. So it was actually after this whole situation, after like struggling with my insomnia and my friend passing away and then having been heartbroken, and then finding out that I suffered my first miscarriage, where like that that time where I was um, uh, well, writing. The, the miscarriage was, was it with that? person it was oh, okay it was so there's layers on that too yeah. um it's like uh yeah so anyway that's like i wasn't working for a while because i injured my rib so it that became part of my therapy was i realized that i wanted to start working with kids again mm. so i got back into it and that also really helped me wow. yeah and do you so that's like a day job you do that's day? my day job yeah so i work at a school what are, uh age are the kids so i typically work with uh seven and eight year olds uh oh <laughs> <laughs> the joys <laughs> they really know how to talk at that time and they don't have any filter yeah so comes out that's the thing right like it gets annoying at times and hectic to deal with especially when you have like 50 of them that you're dealing with at once mm. but it's like it really does teach you things because you're like okay well they're so raw at that age like they don't have the societal pressures and they're not putting on for anybody so it's like if they're angry they're angry if they're happy they're happy you know what i mean mm. and that really teaches you to be like raw because you're like wow like wh why are you hitting this person oh well they told me they didn't want to be my friend <laughs> you know what i mean like we can't act like that as adults in society but it's yeah. almost it's it's really they're so genuine mm. you know what i mean mm. So it's a, uh, yeah, elementary school and junior high combined. So I do uh, get interactions with the older kids as well. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. that's, that's <laughs> fun too. Teenagers. That's fun. Do you, does working with kid, does it take you back to yourself at that age? Do you kind of reflect on yourself at that age working with kids? They're... And especially the teenagers. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, that uh, working with teenagers shows me that I probably should have been a little kinder to adults when I was younger. But um, definitely working with kids in general, I just feel like it does because there's things that 
they're going through or even little things that they say and you remember, okay, I remember doing this or I remember thinking that way when I was that age or, you know, like I remember like when I didn't have a care in the world and I was just a kid who's out here just playing with my friends, you know what I mean? So it really does make you think on different stages in your lives and how you went from that place to where you are now. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know. That's why I don't walk with kids. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a good kid. <laughs> well, you work with adults, and, and that's harder. I, don't, I That's harder for me to do. Oh, yeah. Well, mm, I, I, I don't know. I, I, well, for you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how, how, in what way, though? I mean, in terms of, like... Um, it's harder for me to deal with adults who, you know, take a temper tantrum versus a child who takes a temper tantrum. Because I'm like, one of you knows better in the situation. You know what I mean? So. But, like, I mean, I don't think that happens often with, 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 with older people. Well, let me put it like this. It shouldn't happen often with older people. And if, if they do, then, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> they need some talking to <laughs> you need some talking to <laughs> um, and how is important is family to you family is very important to me um i was lucky enough to grow up with a wonderful family you know of course at times there's there's difference of opinions mm. and you know there's times where you feel like you need more of something that maybe someone's not able to give you but mm. I'm really happy to have a good, strong family base, and I'm I'm really grateful. You know, mm. I happen to have two older sisters, a younger brother, a father, and a mother, and so on. Actually, my dad has been very instrumental in who I am today. I'm positive that I wouldn't be half the woman I am, half the person I am without him. Wow, why do you say that? He's just a wonderful man, and he's really taught me to be like a free thinker and to question things and he's always told me choose to be smart you know what i mean mm. so i really i take that with me everywhere i go mm. wow and that's great it's always great to hear such stories because mm, there's this misunderstanding that some people bring into especially people of black culture thinking mm -hmm. like you know the father's not there and, right. and so when you hear stories like that it's like you know what it's just a misconception that especially portrayed in the media and that's the other thing again you know like the media is so powerful that right. you get shown one thing enough you start thinking oh yeah that might be what is happening that's the norm yeah right yeah um media is there to bring a certain platform, a certain idea, a certain perspective in your mind. And I think, you know, you have to be mindful of that, like what you subject yourself to, whether it's, you know, a radio station, television, a podcast, a movie, a documentary. It's like everything has an angle and you have to look at that and you have to see where everything fits, like in your mind and in your life, in society, as mm. well as, you know, your level of consciousness. Mm. And I just really feel like, that's one of the biggest gifts that he gave me was, you know, question things, look at things, like make sure something makes sense to you. Don't just take what people are giving you. Mm. And um, in terms of like the black community or like people of African descent, I really feel like it's more the norm to have your father there, to have a good family base. I feel like 
when people are like, oh, most people don't have their dads or they don't have this and so on, or it's a broken family. I think that is like a media construct. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if you spend time in the community, if you talk to these people in places and go to these places, you'll realize that most people, you know, that's not the case. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's few and far from in between. And what's most important is love. And Mm -hmm. if you look, if that's what you're looking for, you will surely find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And here's uh here's one. How how is it navigating life in how in the city being African Nova Scotian? Um <laughs> <laughs> Well <laughs> Well <laughs> Um There's definitely times where it's difficult. I think sometimes people feel like because, you know, it's not the Jim Crow era or, you know, we're not enduring slavery, slavery that um, racism doesn't exist, prejudice don't exist and things like that. Mm. Um, that hasn't been my experience mm. because I, I see and feel these things every day walking around as a woman of color. Um, and I'm, I'm very honest about that. But it's like you it does become normal normalized at some point. It's like these things are not new to us. So it's kind of like it's it's not dramatic when it happens. And I hate to say that Mm. because, you know, I have gone to stores and been followed around. You know, I have um, had people like want to look in my bag and so on or people want to look at my ticket but let five other people who don't look like me go you know Mm, what I mean so those things definitely get hard specifically I have two young nephews and you know I like to take them out and do things with them Mm. and sometimes it it really saddens me when I see like things happen like that in front of my nephew who's Mm. seven and he's asking me questions like Aunt Jandera like why did that happen and so on and it's like I have to be honest with him because he's going to face these things too. Mm. But it's like, it's very difficult because I don't want him to have to face those things so early. And I know, you know, because of society, those are conversations that we definitely need to have. And how difficult uh, is it having those conversations? Um, It's very difficult because, you know, I'm always honest with him. Mm. you know what i mean i like i don't like to lie to anyone much less like children um so it's like i'm always honest and i just answer things to like the best of my ability and to what he can understand so it's like you know there's all kinds of different people in the world and Mm. some people don't like those differences or they may have been taught something different and that doesn't make you a bad person that doesn't mean what you're doing is wrong Mm -hmm. but you also know the right things and the ways in which to behave and it's like You know, um, people aren't always going to like you. Sometimes it's for the right reasons. Sometimes it's for the wrong reasons, mm. you know, so. And I think <clears throat> when it comes down to it, right, I mean, you, 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 all you can do is just show who you are. People will accept that or not. Right. And it isn't really a reflection on you. I don't think so, because people see <laughs> what they want to see. That's been, like, the biggest realization for me, I think, is people can only accept what you are or what you're doing at their level of understanding Mm. or at their willingness to want to understand, right? That's been huge for me. I'm finally, like, getting that, that, like, Mm. sometimes it's nothing to do with me. It's all that 
that person or their experience or what they're going through at a time or, you know, their capacity to love. So yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. And everyone's fighting a battle. Everyone has their own thing to deal <laughs> with. Everyone has their own thing to deal with. Um, when was the last time you wrote? Um, I write things all the time. Yeah. I've, throw them away because i'm like <laughs> i'm like no you know what i mean um yeah i write things all the time um last time i wrote something good that i <laughs> that's subjective the last time i wrote something i was proud of yeah um probably about maybe six months ago oh wow yeah why why what made you proud of that thing you wrote um i just I don't know. It was truthful. Mm. It, I, the things I tend to write about are true experiences that I've had mm -hmm. or true feelings or, you know. So it was raw and vulnerable. And I think it was exactly what I wanted to say at that time. Mm. And I think regardless of what I was going through at the time, I was proud of that because it was authentic to me. Mm. Wow. Do you, do you ever have moments where you write something and it's so heavy that uh, you decide not to share it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a couple of those. And sometimes you write something so heavy that you need to get away from it. You need to not think about it. You need to not read it. You're mm -hmm. just like, wow, I need to, I can't confront that right now. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I come back to it and I'm like, okay, now I can work through this. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's definitely some heavy things that I write that I haven't shared with anybody. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think, you know, <clears throat> I think personally, since I write, I, I, I know that there's some things that just make sense to you. And when people read it, they're always going to take it out of context, no matter how you explain it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so with the kids, what are some things that you try to uh teach them um manners <laughs> but um, Please and thank yous right but morals first and foremost right mm. like and i try to be an example of that mm. so you know there are kids that aren't under my specific care who will come up to me and ask me questions or if they're having a problem with another student or another adult mm. in the school they'll come to me and ask me what i think about that and you know though it may get busy at times and i'm trying to do other things i really really appreciate that because that tells me you know they feel safe with me and they trust me to handle the situation yeah. so i feel like i try to be that person who they can come to and the type of person that i think i would want to talk to mm -hmm. you know what i mean i try to be open and i try to tell them the right thing to do as opposed to the wrong thing i think sometimes in life when you know we do, we've done something wrong or we're sharing something with somebody they're like well you shouldn't have done this <laughs> well that, that doesn't really help me now i yeah, like to say yeah. well you know i'm sorry that you're going through this maybe you should try doing x y and z mm -hmm. you know what i mean and mm -hmm. focusing on the solution as mm -hmm. part to the problem i think people that focus on the problem are just I don't want to see dicks, but <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, if you know, I, I guess I was just raised in a way where if you are not bringing something to fix this thing, whatever you bring it, bring into the process is just making things worse, right? Right. And so I was like, oh man, you did this, blah, 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 and you shouldn't <laughs> have done this. Like, 
what the obviously the person knows this right and the person is just coming to you to say how do we fix this now right because you're like oh yeah because you did that yeah because like, it happened you know so i'm like if you're not bringing a solution like i guess the best you can do if you don't have a solution just listen right that's something I've learned too, like having suffered miscarriages is it's this? Yeah. Oh wow. I thought it was just the one. No. Okay. Um, but something I've learned during that time and is really that, you know, a lot of times people don't know what to say. Mm. And it's kind of mm. a elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about it. And I know sometimes, like, I just need a listening ear or I need someone to tell me, you know, it's okay. Yeah. But a lot of people are like they shy away from it because they don't know what to say or, you know, they feel awkward about it. And it's like, it is something that happens as natural as living and breathing is and reproducing and creating a family. It's like, there are, um, you know, there's things along the way to yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, mm, that's just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I, no. It's fine. And this is this is one of the issues I would deal with sometimes because we are comfortable pushing the heavy things away, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna deal with this. We just right. you know, push it away. And so um, the way to handle it is to just literally handle it, or. Talk about it right. or bring it to the fore. Because if you keep piling it away, one is the pile's going to be so high. <laughs> there's no place to keep it. You're like, oh, fuck. I should, I right. Should have, I should right. have done that. Should have dealt with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, you know what? Sometimes it's, like, it's small, right? If you just deal with it right away, it's a small little thing. But if you keep piling it up, it keeps getting bigger, it keeps getting bigger, it gets out of hand. And now something that could have been fixed with just a little bit of effort will take years and years and years and years. And yeah, I just think we need to talk about things and we need to bring things forward. And, and rather than, and sometimes actually, sometimes this, if you know, I guess that I don't want to sound judgy or I don't want to sound preachy or I would just keep quiet. I'm like, okay, I understand. Right. Yeah, just fucking keep it. Because <laughs> um, if someone trusts you enough to share something that heavy, that means you are special to them. That means they respect you enough. Right. And you should respect that respect by you know, at least treating them the, with the level of respect they've shown you by sharing this thing. And then rather than say, fuck you, you shouldn't have done this, say, <laughs> I I hear you. I understand you're dealing with these things. Right. And that's, yeah. And rather than... Ugh. That's so true, though. Yeah. But it, it took me a while, too, to, to learn the first part of that mm. in terms of, like, deal with things right as they happen, right as it happens. Because I used to be someone who kept a lot of things inside. Mm. And, uh, and it wasn't until I realized, like, my mental couldn't take that, that, like, I now I'm, I try to be upfront and honest with everything. Like, if I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm sad, I'm sad. If I'm angry, here's why. <laughs> you know, watch mm. out. So it's like, it's like uh, yeah, because it all those things pile up. Yeah. And when it falls over... Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> watch out, you know what I mean? Oh, man. Um, okay, I, I, I'm going to end it with this. 
so with with all this with you know we're working with the kids and like your poetry and everything you're doing what are what are what are your future plans for everything mm. i think uh short term I want to start performing again with my singing and so on. Mm. So I, I'd like to really put that in the forefront because I've gotten away from writing songs. I've been writing poetry, like I said, forever. Mm. But I've gotten away from my songwriting. I think I want to pick that back up as well as performing. Yeah. And in terms of poetry, I definitely want to get into doing some spoken word and uh, enter some poetry writing contests. More long term, I would love to write a book. Oh, wow. So I'm thinking within the next five years, I will be in author oh, okay so that's definitely on my list of things to do and i know eventually i'll get there awesome yeah jendera thanks for coming in thank you for having I'm me i'm super grateful so i'm gonna clear myself up and have you read one of your poems right i would love that thank you thank you the d-boy wrestler we met in a bar never thought it would last my how those six months went by fast i never told him this but he gave me hope even though it probably wasn't smart to be with him, he was a dope. He was smart, though. He could work a rope. I'd never take that away from him. His work ethic was no joke. I could tell he never really loved himself, no matter the front he put on inside or outside of the house. Like a player, he put everyone on the shelf, only being selfish, looking out for himself. Oh, but that's ego. I know you see it. And every time he smiled, I wonder if he meaned it. He broke my heart, if you can't tell. I'm not the only one he put through hell. This one, that one, I've heard the stories, also seen. But the one he hurt the most was himself when he was in his glory. This is where we end this story, at now for lease. He was the wrestler, and I had a front row seat. Make up to fight apology. When I'm sorry that all I showed you was anger, but if I didn't do that, all I would have shown you were tears. I tried to be brave, but I still have fears. You're always so worried about what people think, the ones we call our peers. I can handle the situation, just not it being made about someone else. I always leave first the proverbial house of friendship, relationships, lovers, and family. That's only because I've been through tough situations and anticipate situations ending badly. I always reach out when I'm wrong, a text or a call. But the pings of the rings don't go through and then I fall into oblivion, heartbroken again, searching for my lover, my boy, my friend. Still would do it all over again just to feel it again. One second, one minute, one hour beginning to end. People talk shit about me and smile in my face, I know. I'm, quick, I'm not quick to forget, but I still see skeletons walking behind them all carrying caskets. This is not an apology. I tried to get through. This is just something I wrote on the fly hoping the message would reach you. So like a note in a bottle or a paper tied to a bird, love pinks for you and like a flame, it'll always burn. This is the Blackout Podcast. listening.